listening to a recent sermon from a Covenant Church worship experience. For more information, you can find us online at covenantchurch.us. In order for there to be life, there must be death. However, the death cannot be yours. It must be a life willingly given in your place. This message is from our series, Not I, But Christ, where we are learning that this life is not about us. It's about Christ. And now, here is our lead pastor, Pastor Travis Davenport. So I recently had the honor of talking to a man who lives in the Middle East. I was introduced to him by one of my, one of my friends. We had a mutual friend. And uh, I say I had the honor of talking to him because where this man lives, uh, it is, to be honest with you, just to put it bluntly, illegal um, to do certain Christian things, right? And so to talk about Jesus in, in an open forum is, is illegal. To, to preach Jesus is the only way to God is, is illegal. And, and so this man's life is very, I guess you could say, perilous, very dangerous. But add to that the fact that this man, we'll call him Joe for his sake today. Um, Joe is actually a pastor. And so in the Middle East where he is and in the country where he is, it's not just his faith, but it's also his profession that has him in great danger. It's very perilous. So I started having this conversation over Skype with him, and I could see him. We're making eye contact the best that you can, obviously, with somebody who's on the other side of the world. And I asked him to tell me some stories. And he began to share with me some stories. You could tell this wasn't his first time sharing some of these stories, but some stories, no matter how many times you tell them, just have a very strong, authentic ring to them, you know? And so as he told me these stories, uh, I could hear the, the, the loss in his voice. He talked to me about family and friends who had been taken from their homes and taken from their, fam from their, from their own families and villages. He shared about how some of his friends had been uh, in jail and starved and beaten. Some of his family members had been taken and, and the same thing had happened. And then he shared how some of his family and how some of his friends were never actually released from prison. And he shared about how some of his other family and friends were actually killed, executed for believing in Jesus Christ. And, and he said that this is where he saw an opportunity for ministry. This is where Pastor Joe became Pastor Joe. He said that there are entire villages and smaller villages to be sure, but there's entire villages where there's really no men in the village. Uh, either they have gone off because they are um, forced to join the army for a period of time, or they have professed Christ and they were taken. However, uh, it ended up being that way. There's these villages where there's just women and children. And so what Pastor Joe and his wife and a few friends do is they go into these villages and they share Jesus. And he began telling me about how he had seen and how he is seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming to Jesus Christ in these villages. He shared with me how they have to hold their tent revivals, as he liked to call them. And I saw video and pictures of them. And it literally is a tent in the desert and how there's just people packed in like sardines in a can just sitting there raising their hands in in burkas and and worshiping and and just singing and saying hallelujah i don't really understand much of anything else they said 
but that word translated really well. And they have to do it at nighttime because during the day, the, the Islamic authorities come through, and, but in the evening, they're safe. And so they go and they worship that way. He talked to me about how he and a couple of his friends, they, they smuggle Bibles into these villages. They hide them under carts. They hide them in packs on camels and under Jeeps. And he talked to me about how, uh, how he had to move from place to place and how he and his family have to do that. So as I'm, I'm listening to Pastor Joe talk, I mean, I'm fascinated, but, but I'm also thinking like, man, if that were me, I would be terrified, right? If that were me, I would be scared. I mean, I'm just, just gonna be honest with you. Like sometimes I freak out when I'm laying in bed and I'm like, did I lock all my locks? You know what I mean? Like there's 14 on my door. Did I only do 13? You know what I mean? I kind of freak out about that. Here's a man that just by talking about Jesus, his head will be placed on a chopping block. Here's a man who, and a, and a wife, a pastor, who, who literally, they're in danger for their lives. And so I wanted to ask him, like, are you scared? But, but as a man, you don't say, like, are you scared? You don't say that because that guy's going to be like, no, you know, because that's how men are. We don't get scared. Um, but I wanted to be very, you know, nice and kind. And so I looked at him, and, and this is how I asked it. I, I said, Pastor Joe, what is it like to be a pastor in your, in your country? What's it like to be a pastor? And, and I expected him to say something like, well, to be honest, it's tough or it's difficult or we need lots of prayer or, um, you know, I wish I was born somewhere else or I don't know what I expected him, to, expected him to say. But what he said kind of took me back. And so as I'm sitting there looking at my screen, making, like I said, eye contact with him, I could see this young pastor, younger than myself, like close his eyes, collect himself, and he calmly, literally said, it is utter joy. I'm so thankful to be seeing so many of my people meeting Jesus and loving Jesus. And just to know that entire families will be united in heaven one day with their earthly fathers who died for the faith they had in their heavenly father. This is what he said. And so in the midst of this conversation, I realized something and it just hits me like a ton of bricks. I realized that I know nothing of sacrifice. I realized that in the middle of this conversation with this man, halfway around the world, I know nothing of sacrifice. We know nothing of sacrifice. And I, and I share this this morning, not to bring guilt. That's not why I bring it up. I share it this morning as a wake up call because that's what it is. I think that one of the reasons we know nothing of this type of sacrifice, and if you're taking notes, I would challenge you to write this down. One of the reasons I think is because we have used culture to calibrate our level of sacrifice. Would you agree? We've used culture to calibrate our level of sacrifice. In other words, we have gauged what sacrifice is by the level of ease and comfort as Christians today in our context. But listen to me, church. We should never use culture to calibrate our level of sacrifice. We must only use scripture to calibrate our level of sacrifice. We can't use culture for that. We have to use scripture. Listen to the words of Paul in, in Romans chapter 12. He says this, starting in verse one. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living what? Sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse two, here he says, do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, when we read this passage, some of the buzzwords jump out at us, right? We hear the word sacrifice. We hear the word spiritual worship. Obviously, if we've been in church for any amount of time, we, we know the phrasing, don't be conformed, but be transformed. But here's my question. Do we know what that means? Do we know what that truly means? Now, the Christian who uses culture to calibrate his level of sacrifice will read this and walk away feeling good about themselves. They'll walk away after reading this passage and they'll feel good about the, quote, sacrifices that they have made in their lives. And they'll, they'll point to them. They'll point to the very many sacrifices that they make. So they'll point to things like this. Well, yeah, I, man, you know, I rearrange my schedule every week. Don't you know that? So I can get to church. I make that sacrifice. You know, I even, I even go to a sea life midway through the week, a small group Bible study. <laughs> Look, at, this is a sacrifice for me. Do you know how busy I am? Not only do I show up on a Sunday morning to church, but I also go through the week to a sea life group. Or they might point out their sacrifice by volunteering. Like, well, yeah, I also volunteer. You know, that's, a, that's more of a sacrifice to my time. Or, or, or maybe they mention that the, the sacrifice they make by giving financially, tithing or giving to the church, to their church. It's a sacrifice. Or, or maybe they might even point to the fact that they're sacrificial in their worship. Well, you know, I, I, I sing on, on a Sunday morning in church. Sometimes I even lift my hands and, and I sing, even though there's people around me. And I don't like to hear people, uh, I don't like people to hear me sing. Do you see the problem? Do you see the issue? <laughs> they point to all these things because they use culture. Get this point. If you don't remember anything else, remember this point. When we use culture instead of scripture to calibrate, we too often see things that God calls a privilege as a sacrifice. And we too often see things that God calls a sacrifice we see it as suffering. Let me just say that once again. It's so important that you understand this. When we use culture to calibrate our level of sacrifice versus scripture, we see things that God calls a privilege, a sacrifice. And things that God calls a sacrifice, we see as suffering. Let me explain. And this is strong because this is a strong passage. And I'm speaking to my brothers and my sisters in Christ. And I love you, but I have to share this with you because this is an incorrect view. Giving up your time to read scripture is not a sacrifice. It is a privilege. Lifting up your hands and singing and worshiping God and closing your eyes and, and praying while people sing around you with your brothers and sisters in church, that is not a sacrifice. That is a privilege. Making arrangements to show up to church on a Sunday morning is not a sacrifice. It is a privilege. Going through Sea Life groups in a magazine to, to figure out which one best suits your needs. Listen to me, that is not a sacrifice. It's a privilege. It is a privilege. Giving God back 10% of his own money and allowing him to keep, let you keep 90% is not a sacrifice. It is a privilege. There's one. Driving an older model vehicle and living in a little bit smaller of a home so that you can train up your children to be godly men and women is not a sacrifice. 
it is a privilege. It is a privilege. And somehow along the way, we have begun to see privileges as sacrifices because we have used culture instead of scripture to tell us how to follow Jesus. Where did that change, church? Where did that go wrong? When did that shift? Now, I was thinking about this because it, it could be possible that we actually think we're making sacrifices for Jesus while being selfish. And so we think we're being sacrificial, but we're being selfish. So sometimes I can't find good words in the English language, so I just make them up, okay? So just kind of roll with me. Because that's not sacrifice um, at all. It's, it's something that we would be calling like self-refice. That's the best I could come up with. It's selfish sacrifice. We think that we're sacrificing, but in the end, we're actually being greedy. Because we do things like, well, look, I showed up to church. How good of a person am I? Well, not, not, not awesome. What do you mean? Oh, look, I gave money. Look how, look how much of a sacrifice I made. We are selfish. We want, an we want a return on that investment when we're just giving back something that God owns to himself. And then we say like, now what do I get in return? What do you mean, what do you get in return? You get a thank you. Thank you for giving me back what I own. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the context and this is the world in which we live. Listen, we're not being self-sacrificial, we're being selfish. If you want to follow Jesus, here's the thing. You have to sacrifice and surrender everything to him. That's just, that's just the way it goes. If you want to follow him, and if you're not willing to surrender and sacrifice everything for him, then you're not following him. It's not about you. It's about Christ. Now, let me make you feel a little bit better. I've been tough on you this morning. Okay? Because... Here's the thing, I don't wanna burst your bubble and say like it's not about you, it's about Christ, right? Um, even though it's true, here's the thing. Take like some rest in the fact that it's never been about you anyway, okay? It's, it's actually never, like you're realizing like, it's not about me. No, it's, don't worry, it's never been about you, so don't worry about it. Like it's since the beginning of, of, of matter when God spoke and light emanated from his mouth, since the beginning when he literally reached down and blew into dirt and created life, that wasn't about you. That's always been about God. It's always been about Jesus. Not I, but Christ. And maybe you might, you know, some of you might say, well, hold on a second, pastor. I, I, this, this, this isn't what I thought it was. This is not what I thought it was. I don't want to surrender. Like, I'm all down for showing to the church and, you know, singing sometimes and I'll go to sea life every once in a while. Maybe even I'll give some money or go to an outreach thing. But listen, I, I'm not down with like surrendering and sacrificing my dreams. Surrendering and sacrificing my desires. You talk about my money? No, 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 no. You talk about my business now. I got my church now. I got my business now. You got my church. I got my relationships now. What, what, what do you mean? No, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm down to sacrifice some things. I'm down to to uh, surrender some things, but, but listen, I'm not gonna hand everything over to Jesus. Basically, what I want is this. This is what I thought it was. I just basically wanna have my world and have Jesus jump into the middle of it and bless everything. Can you give me that kind of Jesus? Uh, no, I can't. Now, you might find plenty of churches that will. They'll preach that kind of Jesus to you. They'll preach the kind of Jesus that requires no surrender, no sacrifice, and ultimate blessing all the time on demand. Now, the problem with that, not the problem with that, 
the reason that we don't um, preach that is because we, we teach a biblical Jesus. And that's just not what Jesus does and has ever done. And you, need look, you, you don't need to look any further than, than the gospel um, when we see this story about Jesus interacting with the rich, young ruler. We're familiar with the story, aren't we? This, this rich kid walks up to Jesus and says, Jesus, what do I have to do to be saved? And Jesus says, well, you have to do this. And as it said, and, you know, and you have to keep this law and you have to do this. And he's, he's talking, right? He's literally telling him. And the rich young ruler says, no, no, no. He interrupts Jesus. Jesus, no, no, no. I, I got that. I, I did all that stuff. I, I, I did all that. I'm like, what else do I have to do? And Jesus is like, oh, you did all that? Okay. How about this, man? How about you go sell everything you have and just follow me? Now, we paint this rich young ruler as a bad guy, as a bad kid. He's not a bad guy. He's not. His answer shows that he's not a bad guy. He actually says, like, okay, how about this? How about I go home, take care of my affairs, like tie it up, and then I will. I'll follow you. And what does Jesus say? Okay, yeah, I'll just wait here. Now, what does Jesus say? You know what, man? Just go home. The rich young ruler is like, no, 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 let's, let me, I got a lot of money, I got a lot of stuff, like my dad's home, let me go take care of that stuff, and then I'll follow you. And Jesus says, no, man, just go home. I don't want you to follow me. Is that the Jesus that we're taught? And Jesus requires surrender. Jesus requires sacrifice. Now, if you're a Christian who is wanting to calibrate their level of sacrifice from Scripture, you would read Romans 12 in a very different way. So let's read it again. Starting verse one, it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Say living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable, uh, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, Paul, who is the author and the writer of, of Romans, he is writing to a predominantly Jewish culture inside the Roman area, okay, in the Roman church. Um, people who had grown up Jewish, people who at least were familiar with it. And Paul speaking to Jews, trying to talk to, talk to them about Jesus and, and how he was the Messiah. Paul was saying something very specific. He's saying a living sacrifice, which sounds like an oxymoron, but he's using verbiage which they would understand. Jewish people were very familiar, and the culture of the day was very familiar with sacrifice, but not living sacrifices. See, what you would do is you would take an animal, and you would take that animal to a priest. The priest would, would kill the animal and then sacrifice the animal. You get that? And its blood would then cover your sin, atone for your sin. Well, then Jesus shows up. And Jesus, the perfect, what Scripture calls the perfect lamb, he dies and rises again. And Scripture says that his blood now covers our life, so we don't need to sacrifice animals. Now, you can still cook them, and you can still eat them, and they're just as delicious as they used to be. They just don't pay for your sin anymore. You see what I'm saying? And so what Paul is saying here is he's saying, like, dead sacrifices don't mean anything anymore. Dead sacrifices hold no value. Dead sacrifices cost us nothing. Living sacrifices cost us everything. Dead sacrifices cost you nothing. Stuff sacrificed costs you nothing. But living for Jesus daily costs you everything. 
We get caught up on the money. We get caught up on the stuff. We get caught up on the where and the when and the how. And, the, and Jesus is just like, listen, man, I am less concerned with what you give and I'm more concerned with you giving yourself over. I'm more concerned with you completely living for me. And we have this little thing that we do where we like to sacrifice little bits and pieces. And God's like, I'm not into that. I don't want little bits and pieces. I want you. That's why Paul says here, he says, he says that we should present our bodies, our whole self, in other words, not a portion of ourself. We present our whole self, our entire self. This is very informative for us today as Christians, because this might actually change or even largely shape how we act and behave outside of the walls of a church. It should. Your whole person, wholly sacrificed in your everyday life. That means daily you're to pick up your cross. Daily you're to crucify your flesh. Daily you are to throw yourself on the altar and say, not I, but Christ. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. That means whether you go to work, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. Whether it's your, you're at your home, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. You get in a fight with your wife, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. You're trying to raise your kids, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. You're trying to pick where to go on vacation, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. You're trying to buy a home, it's not about you, it's about, do you understand that? It's not about us anymore. And our lives, our entire beings, our entire person, must be given over to this sacrificial nature of being a living sacrifice. And let me ask you this. Why do we do this? I mean, it seems like a lot of work. Why? Like, I thought Jesus, like, paid the debt for my sin. Like, what? Let me ask you this. If you had a friend who saved your life, how much would you be indebted to them? Like, what would you do, right? If you had a friend who saved your life. Now, we don't just have a friend who saved our life. We have a savior who saved our eternity. <laughs> Jesus canceled a debt for us that, that we could have never paid. We owed a debt that we could never pay. Sin ultimately separating us from God. Jesus says, you can't, I'll take care of it. We're not in debt, but we are indebted to him. We, we, we live, we live to bring him glory, and it's only by his mercy that we live in the first place. We are gloriously indebted to him. And so I find myself on this computer talking with this young pastor and his wife, both very Middle Eastern looking. And to be very open and honest with you, I just began to like cry because in the middle of this conversation, it just hit me how much of a hypocrite I am oftentimes. I actually got on this call, sacrificed some time to talk to this pastor and his wife, right? And I got on this call thinking like, well, you know, I'll, I'll encourage them and give them the whole like, well, you know, I'm praying for your brother and pray for him, you know, whatever. And here I, here I am talking with people I don't know, barely understanding broken English, right? And I'm just, and I'm crying. And, and the pastor stops and they call me brother, you know, brother, 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 brother. What is, what is wrong, brother? What is wrong? 
You know, and now I'm mad because the dude saw me crying. So now I'm mad about it. And I said, not, nothing, nothing. And I said, you know what? Ev everything, man. I just feel, I just feel awful hearing your stories. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, 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 that's not your fault. It's, it's on me. It's my, it's my bad. That's on me. I don't know anything about sacrifice. And he and his wife said, well, could, could we pray for you? You know, so, so here I am. I got on this call thinking like I'm going to bless these people with my time. And now I find out I'm, I'm crying and they're blessing me by praying for me. We know nothing of sacrifice. Thank you for listening to this message from Not I, But Christ, a Covenant Church. We hope you've been impacted by what you've heard today. Visit us online at covenantchurch.us where you can invest in life change through giving or find more impactful sermon audio just like this.